What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, but when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, that he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, and raised for our justification. It's good to be with us today as we head back to this book, this letter called Romans, which we began way back at the beginning of the uh, year. If you were with us then, and if you weren't with us then, we jump in at chapter 4, and you might have just been used to reading Mark's Gospel. You read that today and you're going, I have no idea what that was all about. Uh, but that's okay. 
that's why we're here, to hear what and unpack what God is saying. And uh, we do, as Caitlin alluded to, you hold that this is God's word to us. Oh, and I'll lead us in prayer that we might be able to understand God's word and maybe be able to explain it well. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this word that you've given us. Uh, help us to use this precious time now to hear you clearly. Help me to be able to explain it well and help us to respond rightly to your word. Amen. Amen. Well, it is true from the earliest of ages that we are, we are taught about who to trust and who not to trust. From young kids, from even babies, we're, told, we're taught about who to trust. It's necessary to know that and work that out because all of life is moving forward, about moving forward in trust. Have you ever thought about it? But whenever you're making a decision about something, even from a very small decision as to whether to get on this bus or that bus, you're trusting, trusting all sorts of things. Is this bus going to go to the place that it actually says? Do I trust that the driver knows how to drive the thing? Do I trust that it'll have enough fuel to get me there? All of the, all of the above. So much, in fact, everything that we do is based on trust. Do you trust the email that your friend sends you that has a, an attachment? Do you trust them, trust it to open it and that it won't infect your computer? <laughs> Do you trust the phone call that says this is the tax department and you have a tax problem that you need to fix out, fix up now? Do you trust the lecturer who says you must buy this textbook for this course? <laughs> trust indeed. Do you trust the person who says, I'm always there for you. I will always be there for you. Turn it over. Do you trust yourself? Do you trust yourself to make a right judgment about all of those things? Do you trust yourself that you will be reliable for other people such that you will be there if you say that you'll be there do you trust yourself that you won't muck it up for yourself or for others our world has major trust issues at the global level like we've never had before for all of our wonderful Technology has just created more trust issues. At the personal level, we continue to have trust issues. It's because the way God made the world and made humanity is to function on trust. We, we step into the future, we make decisions into the future, in the immediate future, the distant future, based on trust. And as much as the world wants to say, it's not at all about trusting anything. It's all about trust. And we have major issues about it. God calls the people that he has made to be trustworthy, faithful, dependable. They're all synonyms. But we're not. We abuse trust. We are faithless. 
we are unreliable to all level, different, differing levels of damage and hurt and disappointment. And it's because humanity, if you were with us reading through those earlier chapters of Romans, we've turned away from the God who's made us and turned against the God who's made us and rightfully deserving of God to turn away from us and indeed to turn against us. But in this letter which Paul writes to the Christians in Rome in around about 57 AD, he explains God's message of promise to the world. It's called the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The message is that Jesus the man is God's appointed ruler for the nations. That he was put to death and has been raised to life as God's appointed ruler for the world. We saw it way back in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 and 3. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the declaration, that's the message that's come from God to the world, that his man Jesus is the ruler. That is, that's what the Son of God is, the, the, the King, the Christ. But this message is not just merely a statement. It's not just, you can just project it on a screen or, or, or you just say it or you, it's words on a page. It is certainly that and very much that. But it's a statement full of power because it's God's statement for the world. Such that Paul can say, and really summing up what he's speaking about in all of Romans, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Jew, to the Greek, and the Greek as well. <laughs> for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now we won't have a chance to unpack that again, except that the gospel is God's power for salvation. It's not that it just sort of contains God's power, or it's not just that it's sort of connected to to God's power, it's the way that God is actually saving people and bringing people to righteousness, that is making people right with God through this message. And so, it's a message which in and of itself brings life for a world that has run away from God, even a rebellious world. And through this message, the speaking of this message, God brings a rebellious world back to himself as they're brought to trust Jesus as the king. Now, this is what Paul's message is all about. Uh, all great messages need a promoter. Uh, and if I can use an image for a moment, this gospel message that Paul is promoting is a bit like a major release album that God releases to the world. And when there's a major release album, if you go to 
Um, I, actually, I was in JB Hi-Fi the other day. They still have albums. <laughs> this is what prompted me to think, this works. So they, they still have those big ones too, and they're expensive. But anyway, why are people buying them? I don't, anyway, um, God's, the gospel is like God's major release album to all the world. And like a major release album, it needs a promoter. And that is Paul's role. He is the one that's been appointed by God to promote this message, to speak this message into all the nations. And so, Paul, in this letter to the Romans, Roman Christians, is saying, this is what I'm on about. And I want to come and visit you guys and explain this gospel message. And I want you to help me to, to send this off to the rest of the world because this is the way that God is changing the world. And as this message, this this album gets played throughout the nations. People are hearing again and again, it's on repeat, that, that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the one that's in charge. And people, as they hear this album, this message, played again and again, are changed in heart. Such that, well, we don't have it there in verse 5 of chapter 1. People are, that people are brought to obedience. The obedience that comes from faith. It's real life change that happens. And this message has changed even the Roman Christians. You pick it up in, in chapter 1, have a look at it later. It says, your faith's being heard all around the world. It's actually really changing lives. And you guys are evidence of that. And throughout generation after generation, across nation and nation, as this message is played out, People's lives have changed, such that we're here in Wollongong. Um, 2,000 years later, the other side of the world, testimony, the, same, the very same thing, that God's message changes lives. And it's all about how you can be right with your Creator, how you can have a new life and know God fully and truly. Well, that's a, that's a quick summary of where we came from in Romans chapter 1. But how can the people of all the nations everywhere be right with God through this message? Well, especially when they don't follow his laws. Way back then, the people of the nations didn't follow God's laws. Through to today, people don't follow God's laws. How can people of all sorts of nations with different varieties of practices and cultures and backgrounds and all sorts of different types of beliefs and laws <coughs> that aren't God's law at all, how can they be right with God? How is that at all possible? And this is a real issue in Romans through to today. Because as this great gospel album from God goes global, there's a group of people who are a little jealous, a little left out. See, have you ever followed a band from the beginning? You had their first album when no one knew them. And you went to all their gigs, all two of them. <laughs> and all two of you were there listening. And then they brought out their second album and it went worldwide. And everybody just went for it and just lapped it up. And everyone owned it. Anyone been through that experience? A few have. Did you ever feel like left out? Or like, hang on, I knew these guys first. I, they're, they're my band and like you don't know the first album you have to get the first album to really appreciate it you guys are just 
sort of Johnny Come Lately's to the party. <laughs> like, sure, it's a great album, but you've got to, to really admire them. You've got to go back to the first one. And this is the situation of the Jewish people, of God's special nation of Israel. See, they have God's first album, which he released only in Israel, only for the Jews. Long before the Jesus message came, it was called the Law and the Prophets. And the nation loved it, even though some of its tracks were not very easy, especially ones like, you need to get circumcised. <laughs> not easy. But once you've done it, you go, yeah, this is important to us. You need to stay clean if you're going to be right with God. There's also other tracks like Don't Eat Pork, Don't Eat Prawns, and so on. Not popular around the world, but now that this new message, this new track from God was out there, there were non-Jewish believers in the world. And, well, did the new ones have to go back and get the first album to be able to be true believers? Do they have to go back to the Law and the Prophets to, to actually really put that into practice? Or otherwise, they're just not really quite fully true believers. Well, Paul's answer to this is Abraham, which is the passage that we're looking at today. Abraham. And point A, learning from 2A, learning from Abraham, that keeping God's law is over and against versus believing God's gospel. So pick it up from chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then was gained by Abraham? I'm trying to work out this issue. Our forefather according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, the one who, um, who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Okay. What's Paul's message here about going to Abraham? He's saying this to the, the Jewish believers. You can't go back to the law. You've actually got to go back further than the law, back further than Moses. You've got to go back to Abraham. And he's sort of track one, if you like, on side A of the, the law and the prophets. And what was it? Well, Genesis 15 verse 6 which Paul quotes here in in verse 3 it's the scripture says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness you're right Abraham was right with God had right relationship with God by believing by trusting the message from God actually we'll see trusting God's promise and so if it's by trusting, it can't be by works. If it was working, then it wouldn't be by trusting. That is, well, pick it up. He, he, he points over further to David in verse 5. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven 
and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. See, it can't be by works. In fact, if it is by works, you're going to fail because we've all run away from God and our best deeds are lawless deeds. If you want to start counting up your works, you've already failed before you begin. It's never been by works that you've made it yourself, that you've or made yourself right with God. It's because God has declared you to be right by trusting his message. Abraham believed that. David believed that. It's always been by faith. Point B. In this the second part of Abraham of Paul's argument. And again, Abraham's the answer. And and it's all about timing. Abraham's timing. Because Paul asks. When was Abraham counted right with God? Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteous would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now that's a bit of a mouthful, and trying to think, what's he trying to say there? See, the timing really matters. See, when did God say to Abraham, you are right with me? Was it when he obeyed God and, circum- and circumcised himself and his family? Or was it beforehand? Well, it was before that. Abraham didn't have the law. Abraham believed God's promise. And it was counted as righteousness. So he's the father of everybody who believes the promise of God. You don't need circumcision, the law, whatever it is, to be right with God. Of course, he is also the father of those who do get circumcised and follow the law. And so God sets him up as the father of both. By faith. Because he says, even the circumcised ones, well, it's only them are right with God if they follow in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. He's the father of both. And if you have faith, you'll be counted right with God. And so, point C, he moves on to Abraham and the promises of God, trusting the promises of God. Because he presses this further. See, you can't claim, uh, if you're sort of Jewish, you can't claim that you know, we had the first album. We're the true believers. Uh, and so we know God better. Verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, well, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. See, he's saying to those who are thinking about being right with God by obeying the law and following all the things that are 
supposed to do. He says, you haven't actually read the first album properly. You haven't listened to it properly. Because it's all about faith. It's all about trusting God. And it always was. They're, the ones of trust are the true believers from the beginning. Well, it's been God's way from the beginning. And it's also been about grace from the beginning. And the two go together. Verse 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise might rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed and gives life to the dead and also calls into existence uh, things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he'd been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. God's undeserving kindness, uh, grace that is, has always been from the beginning. It's always come, uh, his, his uh, kindness in the promise uh, has always been from the beginning. That is, when he gave the promise, he didn't have to give the promise to Abraham. He chose to, out of his own grace and kindness. Being right with God has never been about us reaching our way to God, but God kindly, over and against what we deserve, reaching down and calling us to be right with him. And it's all about faith because it's a promise from God that calls for trusting, not a law from God that requires keeping. Now, there's good reasons that God has done it that way, which is what he says here. If it's entrusted with God and what he says about us, then it's guaranteed do you notice? It's guaranteed by God. It's not, so that's in verse 16, in order that the promise may not rest, may rest on grace and be guaranteed. See, if it's, if it's up to us, it's whether we don't stuff up or not. If I muck things up by keeping the law or not keeping the law, the guarantee is pretty hopeless. I hope you don't trust me to be able to be the guarantee. God says, I've, I've locked it up. The guarantee is in my word and trust my word. I will do what I said I will do. And it's a promise that he's going to keep no matter what. Well, and again, the proof is Abraham. See, God promised to Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations, which is true to this day. It's actually the outworking of it we see around the world. Abraham never saw it happen. He never saw it come about that he was the father of many nations. God held out the promise to him. He held out from fulfilling the promise to him. Because what did he say? He said, you will have a child. You will have a child. Though you're 100 years old 
and almost dead, you're going to have a child. And so, every natural law would say, Abraham, you're not going to have a child. You're too old to have a child. It's not going to happen. So what does Abraham do? He tries to work out a bit of a solution to help God. He says, God, see that kid over there, Eliezer of Damascus. How about we call him my child? That'll, that'll fix up all this problem. But for me being 100 years old, uh, Sarah's pretty old, and that'll be fine, right? And God says, no, it's not going to happen. So then Abraham tries a solution again. He wants to help God get this promise sort of out the door and make it work. How about... How about have a child through Sarah's handmaid, her maidservant? Because that's pretty close. And so he has Ishmael and says, here we go. This can be the promised child. Yes. And God says, no, it's going to be through Sarah, who's barren. She's never had kids in her life. And she's now into her 80s. Abraham's 100. Enough to say the biology is not working for them at all and God does it on purpose he strings it out on purpose so that there is no chance in the world that anybody can say this is the natural flow of things this is the way things work it is only by God that he has done it and so Abraham is forced to trust God but also it shows the power of God's word because God can, by the power of his word, call things into existence that don't exist. That's verse 17. I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the, uh, the, in the, presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. See, that's the power of God's word. See, in the beginning, God spoke the creation into being. God said, let there be, and it happened. God said, let there be, and it happened. God said, let there be light, let there be. And they have, that is the power of God's word. He, he calls things into existence. Just by saying it, it becomes true. That's real power. God's promise is that if you trust me, you will be right with me. You trust the message of the gospel, you will be right with me. Though you're a sinner, though you're dead, though you're a rebel, trust me and I'll bring you from death to life and I'll call you righteous even though you're not. You will be right with me even though you're not actually righteous. Just like I was able to bring a child to Abraham who is the heir of many nations, I will do it for you. Now that is power. So as you believe the gospel message, you're actually believing the message of power that actually changes people's lives. Just like God says, let there be light, and there is. God says, trust me and you will be righteous. And you are. Verse 20 No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Now, the words 
it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, Abraham believed God, and we've got the story here. Paul put it there on purpose to show the way that God works through his promise and that his promise is faithful. Faithful to Abraham all these years, you can trust this message of the gospel. That is, the reason God did that with Abraham all the way back then and said, trust my promise and it will be counted to you as righteousness, Paul says, that's because it was actually for you. Uh, for you and me on the 11th of September 2019 here in Wollongong the reason God set it up that way way back then is for us so that we can be assured of the trustworthy message that we are right with God if we trust his word see you and I are not dependable we're not reliable we can't we can't live in a way that pleases God we can't live in a way that pleases each other. Fail, we have a few, you know, a few good minutes there where you sort of hold things together and then it all falls apart. We're faithful and dependable. We're not able to avoid mucking things up between us and God or between the others in the world. But God says, trust in the message of the gospel. Have Jesus as Lord, and you're counted right with me. You're not able to muck that up, and you will be right with me. And that gives great assurance for the rest of life. You can go, go forward, and we'll see in, this, in the next chapter, you can forge ahead in life with great confidence, knowing that God has everything sewn up and guaranteed in Jesus. Well, you might have some, some questions about that from uh, about this passage, and I'll give you time for some questions. I think we've got a little bit of time. Uh, but I'm going to lead us in prayer to be able to grasp hold of God's great mercy to us. Father, thank you for your promise to Abraham and that you held that promise, kept that promise true, and you counted his faith uh, as righteousness his trust in you as being righteous. And thank you, Lord, that in the gospel message we have one who is indeed righteous in the Lord Jesus. And if we trust in his message, we are right with you without following laws, without following any system, but trusting him. Help us to grasp hold and trust Jesus. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, perhaps as you think about questions, maybe we could pray. I'll pray first of all. Yeah. Hi guys, my name's Tia. I'm a second year social work and I have the privilege of praying for us. So would you join me please? Dearest God, you who are beautiful and supreme, we thank you for what you have what we have heard today through Rob, that we can hear this gospel. The fact that Jesus is your son and we can trust in him according to your calling of us to yourself. 
Help us to continue to think about what it means to trust in this message that is powerful to change us and to call us righteous even though we are not. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. We pray for the Uni Bible Group uh, annual general meeting happening this coming Monday. Let it be a good night of fellowship and reflection on the year past as well as looking forward to the year to come. We pray for those who will be taking on roles on the community. Please give them strength and wisdom, Father. Thank you that the Christian Union at Melbourne University was able to recently do justice, appointing new executives and general committee to serve you and people around them. Thank you that we can partner with them in prayer. And so we ask that you continue to work through their weekly alpha groups for people wanting to explore Christianity. Let the people there come and hear the saving news of your son, Jesus. Lastly, Lord, we lift up to you those in our country who are feeling the weight of drought at the moment. We pray for the farmers whose crops and livestock are not doing so well. Please raise up people around them to support their needs. And despite the hard times, we pray that you will comfort these farmers, that they will come to know you if they do not already. Let your son be glorified. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.